In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Just who is this man, and where does he come from? Jesus had become a polarizing figure. His words and actions were beginning to cause serious division, and the sparks were really beginning to fly between him and the religious authorities. They knew, especially the Pharisees knew, that their way of life was under threat, both from without and from within, from the imperial power of the idolatrous Roman Empire and from the compromises of their fellow Jews. And to them, Jesus was just another in a line of messianic pretenders who threatened to destabilize a sensitive political situation, and in his case, appeared to openly violate the very commitments that defined the people of Israel. The most recent sparks between the Pharisees and Jesus came from the case of a blind man Jesus healed on the Sabbath by putting mud on his eyes and telling him to wash in the pool of Siloam. Because the man had been blind from birth, his healing could not be dismissed as fraudulent, but had to be taken seriously. And this raised a real dilemma for the Pharisees. On the one hand, that Jesus had broken the Sabbath regulations seemed to clearly indicate that he was not from God, but rather opposed to God, since God himself had commanded Israel to keep holy the Sabbath. But on the other hand, that Jesus had healed a man blind from birth pointed in exactly the opposite direction, because it seemed impossible to conceive of a person opposed to the will of God performing such a miraculous and unprecedented act. In the end, the Pharisees decided against Jesus, and they even put the formerly blind man out of the synagogue because he refused to say that Jesus was a sinner opposed to the will of God. Now Jesus heard that the man had been cast out of the synagogue and went to find him, and the man became his disciple. Lord, I believe, he said, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said something which the Pharisees rightly took as a criticism of themselves. He said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. The Pharisees took offense at the suggestion that they could not see, that is, that they did not perceive the truth of things. And this, in turn, provoked further criticism from Jesus in the form of the parable that begins today's gospel lesson. He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. Now, I know that this is a rather roundabout way of getting to our text, but I think it will help us see more clearly what Jesus says about doors and shepherds and sheep. It helps us to see that Jesus is flipping the script on his critics. They saw themselves as the shepherds of Israel, as guardians of their community's way of life. They assumed that they were on God's side, and so they viewed Jesus as a threat to the community. But Jesus argues that they do not see things 
as they are. By their actions, they have showed themselves to be a threat to the community, to be more like thieves and robbers than true shepherds, out to pursue their own interests and not the interests of the community, so focused on the text of the law that they have become blind to its spirit, so intent on preserving their way of life that they cannot see the way to life, so certain of their own righteousness that they have set themselves against the righteous one. The Pharisees would have known exactly what Jesus was getting at with his language of sheepfolds and shepherds. For Jesus draws his imagery from the scriptures, in particular, the long tradition of identifying God as the shepherd of Israel. His words especially resonate with a passage from Ezekiel chapter 34. In it, the Lord denounces the rulers of Israel as unfaithful shepherds who have fattened themselves on the flock. They have not cared for their sheep. They have been heedless of their infirmities and have done nothing to gather them. And so the Lord announces, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost, and bring again that which was driven away, and will bind up that which was broken, and will strengthen that which was weak. Jesus is drawing on this passage. He applies the same critique of the prophet to his opponents. The Pharisees have driven away from their care one whose care they ought to have given, having showed themselves more concerned with their own principles than with the flourishing of those committed to their charge. But Jesus has healed this man who was blind from birth and has sought him out when he was cast out. Not only does Jesus show himself concerned with the man's flourishing, but he does what the God of Israel does. He is the good shepherd who cares for the sheep, who leads them to green pastures and still waters, who restores their souls, who carries the lambs in, their, in his arms and gently leads those that are young. I am come that they might have life, he says, and that they might have it more abundantly. The Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. The sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of a stranger. Shepherds in the ancient world, and even today, summon their sheep with a unique call. The call may be a short tune, or a wordless phrase, or some equivalent of hear sheep. The shepherd always calls the sheep by this, in the same way, and the sheep know the timbre, the character or quality of his voice. If you stand at the edge of a field and try to call the sheep in the same way as the shepherd, they would not respond to you. But if the shepherd were to call, they would immediately lift up their heads and bleeding stream toward him. 
This happens even when several flocks are mingled together and there are multiple shepherds calling at once. Here's how one observer describes such a case in Syria. The shepherds led their flocks forth from the gates of the city. Thousands of sheep and goats were there, grouped in dense, confused masses. The shepherds stood together until all came out. Then they separated, each shepherd taking a different path, uttering as he advanced a shrill, peculiar call. The sheep heard them. At first, the masses swayed and moved, as if shaken by some internal convulsion. Then points struck out in the direction taken by the shepherds. These became long and longer until the confused masses were resolved into long living streams following after their leaders. The Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the Lord our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Always he is calling to us, summoning us to follow him to green pastures and still waters. The question is whether we will hear his voice. For many other voices also call to us in strident or seductive tones, bidding us to follow where they might lead. How can you and I learn to know and love the voice of the Good Shepherd? The answer is very simple, I think. Read the Bible with a humble and prayerful heart. Read all the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, because as a wise man once said, Christ is the truth, and every text of Scripture speaks of him. And as the church teaches, both in the Old and New Testament, everlasting life is offered to mankind by Christ, who is the only mediator between God and man, being both God and man. Read the Holy Scriptures with a humble and pliant heart. For as the psalmist says, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Read with a soft heart with a willingness to be confronted and taught and mastered by the word of God. In other words, don't come to the Bible as the Pharisees did. Rather, as the theologian Karl Barth once said, approach it like an astonished child in a wonderful garden. Come acknowledging that there is much you do not know and cannot see, asking the Lord to open your eyes and lead you into all truth, to nourish you with his word. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in thy truth. O knit my heart unto thee, that I may fear thy name. Someone I know has an aggressive form of cancer. It will kill her, and she knows it. She's walking in the shadow of death. And as she approaches the end of her life, she has found herself drawn in a new way to the Bible. She's been reading it cover to cover. And I wonder if this is because she hears there the voice of the Good Shepherd who is with her, comforting her 
as she walks through the valley of the shadow of death. Nothing will separate her from him, for he has conquered death and will raise her up on the last day. The trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Our shepherd died for us, that death might be swallowed up in victory. He laid down his life, that we might live. Our Lord Jesus is risen from the dead, having overcome death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life. And it's for this reason that we remember him as the Good Shepherd in Eastertide. For he says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He leads us to the green pastures of the resurrection. He leads us to feed in the green pastures of eternal life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.